military had been different in a way that left him permanently mistrustful of those in power. He stood in the doorway, framed by the light behind him. He would have chosen this moment to fire if he'd been on the trigger side. Quick, clean, no chance of missing. He'd given them their opportunity. They didn't take it. They were not going to kill him. It was actually four men, and Stone felt slight apprehension that his observations had been flawed. The leader of the pack was trim, 5'10", short hair, and efficient eyes that took in everything and gave nothing in return. He motioned to the vehicle parked by the gate, a black Escalade. There was a time when Stone would have raided a platoon of Cracker Jack killers coming for him by land, sea, and air. Those days, apparently, were over. A quartet of suits in a Cadillac on steroids was enough. There were no unnecessary words uttered. He was expertly searched and ushered into the vehicle. He sat in the middle bench seat, a man on either side of him. He could feel each of their muscled arms as they lay against his. They were tensed, ready to block any attempt by Stone to get to their weapons. Stone had no thought of making such an attempt. Now, outnumbered four to one, he would lose that battle ten times out of ten, a blackened tattoo painted on his forehead, a third eye his reward for the fatal miscalculation. Decades ago, it was probable that four men far better than these would lay dead as he walked away to fight another day. But those days were long in the past. Where? he asked. He never expected a response and didn't get one. A minute later, he stood alone outside a building virtually every American would recognize. He didn't stand there for long. More men appeared, better and higher ranked than the ones who had just dropped him off. He was now in the inner ring. The personnel became more skilled the closer one approached the center. They escorted him down a corridor with numerous doorways. Every single one of them was closed, and it wasn't simply the lateness of the hour. This place never really slept. The door opened and the door closed. Stone was alone once more, but again, not for long. A door opened in another part of the room and the man entered. He didn't look at Stone, but motioned for him to sit. Stone sat. The man settled down behind his desk. Stone was an unofficial visitor here. Normally a log was kept of everyone passing through this place. But not tonight. Not him. The man was dressed casually. Chinos, open-collared shirt, loafers. He slid glasses over his face, rustled some papers on his desk. A single light burned next to him. Stone studied him. The man looked intense and determined. He had to be to survive this place. He put down the papers, slid up the glasses. We have a problem, said James Brennan, the President of the United States. And we need your help. Chapter Two Stone was mildly surprised, but didn't show it. Registering surprise was never good in situations like this. A problem with what? The Russians. All right. 
Nothing new there, thought Stone. We often have problems with the Russians. The president continued, You've been there. It wasn't a question. Many times. You speak the language. Again, not a question, so Stone remained silent. You know their tactics. I used to know them. That was a long time ago. Brennan smiled grimly. Just like hairdos and clothes, if one hangs around long enough, things come back in style, including, apparently, espionage techniques. The president leaned back and put his feet up on the resolute desk that had been a gift from Queen Victoria to America near the end of the 19th century. Rutherford B. Hayes had been the first sitting president to use it, and Brennan the latest. The Russians have a web of spy rings entrenched in this country.